Welcome to the Book Supplied Podcast, presented by WSL Leadership. In this podcast, we talk about an awesome book and how to apply it to your work, sport, or life. I'm your host, Iggy Perillo. Thanks for joining me. On this episode, we'll be talking about the book Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away by Annie Duke. And I'm talking today with my special guest, Natalie King. Natalie, can you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Yes, good. Hi, and thank you for welcoming me and thank you for asking me to read the book Quit. My name is Natalie and I am the founder of Natalie King Coaching. I'm a confidence coach for those introverted business owners who find business noisy, overwhelming. And you and I, Iggy, we're both introverts, so we know (laughs) what what the, the outside world can sound like, feel like. And this is where I come in. I help them to navigate as an introvert and to use their introversion as their superpower. That is awesome. And you're right. I did. We met through another uh, uh, online group. And uh, I was like, Natalie, I know you love reading. We Read this book. I, I want to talk with this book about this book with you. And so I know that's how you came across this book. Had you heard of this book at all before I just blabbered on and on to your ear off about it? I hadn't actually. You actually introduced me to the <laughs> book. So good thing. <laughs> great. Well, you're welcome, and you're welcome, world, for that. I am a I'm a fan of Annie Duke. Going back, I have previous episodes about some of her other books out there, and uh, I'm curious. Yeah, what what did you think, or what are your first impressions of the read? She started off using Mount Everest as one of her sort of examples. And I'm an avid fan of mountaineers, of mountain climbing. I've read stories of climbing mountains, of um, mountaineers, just experiences, especially Mount Everest. So she got me there. (laughs) She just already picked one of my favorite sort of topics. Mm -hmm. So. On that, I had to like the book. Oh, great. <laughs> and I don't know. And relatedly, she did start off with the story of Mount Everest, a very specific group climbing Mount Everest, which is the same group that John Krakauer wrote about in Into Thin Air. And so I knew the story of that group that she was talking about just from his book. And so she's like, you probably don't recognize these names, but you recognize these names. I'm like, well, you know, I'm a nerd. I actually recognize those guys too. And she talks about, she starts off with talking about this climb. And uh, the short story is a lot of people died and it was tremendously tragic. I think the late 90s, I believe, is when this happened or mid 90s. I forget the exact year, to be honest. it was about 2008. Oh, well, I have no idea. Apparently, I'm way off of my dates and times. Even better if it was 2008. And uh, and she was saying that we don't hear about these other two guys who are hiking up and they decide like, oh, we're at our cutoff time. We're going to quit. We're going to go back down. We're not actually going to summit the mountain, even though it's, it's really like... Within sight, we could make it there. It's our cutoff time. We're turning back. And they survived. And tons of the other people in that same uh, expedition group perished that, that day. Basically, they like, oh, it's my turnaround time, but I'm going to make it to the summit anyways. It's so close. I'll just go a little further. I'll just go a little further. They meet up. You know, They basically make it to the summit and then don't have the time or the energy or the oxygen, like all three combined, to make it back down safely. And the night falls there. Um, yeah. Lots of 
terrible things happened. A lot of people died during that specific attempt by the, in that specific group. And one of those people being this mountaineer that summited many times, has led many groups up there, super, you know, a guy who you would think knew what he was doing, should have known, right? But he didn't quit. And I think that is the setup for this book, which is beautiful because she's talking about it's okay to quit. Like the big story, the big takeaway of this whole book is sometimes basically more often than you think quitting is the right choice. And this is like an obvious example. Like you could quit and not make it to the summit of Mount Everest, or you keep pushing, make it to the summit and you die off in the process. I like how she, she really introduced quitting um, as a concept, as an idea. And she did pick one of my favorites sort of um, visuals or, or topics. And, but it really made sense because if I had read that story that she explained in the book, let's say a few weeks ago, I would have like, dang, I mean, that's just, the summit's just there. Just, you know, pull up your socks, get on with it, you know, perseverance, (laughs) grit. But when she explained it, I was like, this is an idea I've never actually thought about. I've not looked into it. This is making sense. And whether it made sense because it was a good idea or whether it made sense, and I'm talking about in my own brain, because she used mountaineering and Mount Everest as the first example, I think that sort of piqued my interest. That got me really thinking. And for me, it was that story that got me really being open to the idea of quit as Maybe she picked something else. I might have like, well, you know, and argued my way through the whole book mm-hmm. because I knew we were coming on this podcast, so therefore I had to finish the book. So I would have argued my way <laughs> pressure, through the whole book. Pressure, yes. <laughs> but because of that story and the way she explained it, it made me more open to the idea, which then, of course, left me without more open to reading the rest of the book and and having it looking into it and and being open and thinking about what she is saying mm-hmm. did i just make sense there yeah absolutely she we we tend to view quitting as this really bad thing like oh you're a quitter that means you're a loser that means you gave up that means you don't have grit that means you're kind of weak that means you're kind of you know a poor decision maker for getting into it in the first place like i think this book is really about just rebranding quitting as a great not just like a fine idea an okay 50-50 choice but like the best idea and she this whole book is an argument for Um, I think one of the things that she says, or one of the main ideas that I have pulled out of this book was like, if you're quitting on time, you usually you're, you'll feel like you're quitting too early. So if you're like, should I quit this thing? Should I not? If you're wrestling with it, it's too late. You should have quit already. And quitting is a great thing on Mount Everest. It'll keep you alive if you quit early. I mean, that seems like a really huge thing, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, that I would love to not be killed, but I think the the reality application to most of us who are not on Mount Everest every day is that our energy, our time, our effort can be put into things that are more, that are better, more better. I don't even know that are more life-sustaining that are more aligned with what we want to be doing. They're just a better, so many better uses of our time and energy and effort, money, you know, resources, all these different things. If we quit more often, 
but yet are, we're sort of biased against quitting. Like the there's so much negativity attached to the word quitting, which is why I love that that was just a title, like quit. Like that is the thing we're like, oh no, I don't think so. Ooh. You know, I'm not sure all the time. Well, one of the things that really interested me, she said quit versus grit and are two sides of the same coin. And she often cites um, Grit by Angela Duckworth. And I've read the book and I I love the book. Hands up. I love the book. It's made a lot of sense to me. And she often, as I said, cites this book. And I was like, yes, quit versus grit is the same side of the coin. And it made a lot of sense. And, and that got me thinking and really thinking about when do we quit? Why is quitting such as you mentioned this, you know, you're a loser, you're a failure, and and how do we start to know when to quit? That also seems to be a, a huge thing is, is when do we quit? Because, yes, grit, we know about grit. We know about perseverance. Come on, just keep going. Just push through that last hurdle. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. And throughout the book, she uses a lot of examples of when people did keep going and it didn't work out and when they did quit and what happened because they quit, because they then had the mental capacity or the financial capacity or just the space to do something else, which was actually more beneficial than if they had stuck it through. So it was really interesting having absorbed grit and like, yeah, this is the way to to do it, then comes quit and it's like, okay, I maybe need to start reevaluating my thinking process, my thought process, and even maybe the way that I'm working with my clients. And this is this is what I love about books, good books, is they make you start to think about something differently and start to think, how can I help my clients better because I've read this book? And Quit was one of these books that made me think, ah, okay, how can I start to use this in my own business, in my own life? And this is what I loved is, again, she picked a book that I had read. I don't know if I, I think this woman must have just been picking my brain as she was writing <laughs> this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that made sense for me. This this quit versus grit is two sides of the same coin. Really made sense for me. Not straight away, but the more she brought it into the book, the more she talked about it, I was like, wow, I get it. I get it. Yes. Yeah. She really has to... This book is one long argument just about that, basically, but it takes a while because we are so conditioned to not quit. She says at one point, anytime you stick with something when there are better options, that's when you're slowing your progress. We stick to things. We have that idea that grit is good no matter what. Grit is not good no matter what. And quitting is better much more often than we think. Annie Duke's background was a professional poker player, right? And she talks about this, that the best poker players quit most of the time. That is how you become, that's the difference between a good poker player and a great poker player. They quit so much more often. They fold. Essentially, you get dealt out the cards, you take a look, you're like, nope, I'm out. Way more often. She's like 70, 80% of the time, a a pro, like a really good poker player will quit, literally fold. 
Meanwhile, like a your average whatever you know hobbyist will quit only half the time, and they lose all their money, and they're you know they're out so much sooner. And so, and so she comes from this background, which is fascinating to me, of professional poker playing, but also psychology and decision making. And so then this is the point. the The tricky part of the book is like, cool, but how do I know when to quit? How do I how do I make that decision? What am I actually looking for? What are the criteria? You know, we get we can overthink that to no end. And all the time we spend overthinking is really just energy wasted on thinking about something we should have already done, which I love. Like this, there's this the simple simplified heuristic is if you're worrying, if you think you should quit or not, you should have already quit. I'm like, oh, well, that makes it easy. If I'm like, should I, should I not quit that thing? Should I do that thing? Should I not do that thing? Should I quit this? You know, I've been, it's not working, but maybe it'll work later. She's like, if you're even in that state, it's too late. You should have quit already. Your energy wasted on decision-making is still energy wasted. You know, like, not that as soon as you get the vibe, like I should give up now, like anything, um, something gets hard. And I think that's a beautiful part of what you were saying. They grit and quit have to like are, coincide together. You have to stick with things enough to know a little bit that this is not working. If it, you know, you stick with something for a second and you hit one bump in the road, and you're like, I quit. Like, that's not what she's saying. She's not saying quit at the first challenge, the first bump in the road, the first, you know, snowflake on Mount Everest. Like, no. You're there to do something hard. There, there are challenging things out there that are totally worth doing. And perseverance is worth doing, but perseverance isn't worth doing to the point where your energy is being wasted, your goals aren't going to be accomplished, or you're, you know, you could be doing something better, more effectively. And how to make that decision is, I think, the, the this other beautiful part. There's like, yeah, you should quit more often than like how to know when to quit is the, the underlying piece of that in, throughout the whole book. And the nice thing is she doesn't, she's not derogatory towards grit. She doesn't put grit down. She just says there's another option. Same sides, same sides to the same coin, two sides to the same coin. And and what you were talking about was was the 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 kill criteria, um, mm-hmm. quite like that, that I found was interesting. And she talks about it on when she talks about this Mount Everest story is the turnaround time. And the the kill criteria is when you're planning a project or building or starting a business or starting a hobby or whatever it is that we're starting, we always think about the energy we're going to need or the perseverance or to keep going. But she says, plan your, your kill criteria, your quitting. If X, Y, and Z doesn't line up, that's when I'll quit. Or if so-and-so happens, then I'll quit. And and she said, by putting that into place, it's almost like making that part of your goal plan, part mm-hmm. of your your plan of moving forward is having this this kill criteria or what is called on on Mount Everest is the turnaround time, and and this is where she says in in the beginning of the book is they were given by their, their guide, they were given this turnaround time, which I think was like 1, 1, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. If by that time they hadn't reached Mount the, the summit, they were to turn around because it would mean that they would not be able to make the summit and come back down. And the the sad thing is, is that this guide who gave these three or his whole team this turnaround time, he went this, on this same expedition, he went to the summit and did not f- 
did not follow his own turnaround time that he had given, and therefore he died on the summit. But these three looked and they, as she says in the book, they had a little bit of an argument. Well, the summit's <laughs> just there, you know, let's go. Let's. And it was like, no, we've been given this turnaround time. It's now time to turn around. And this is that kill criteria, mm-hmm. know in advance what's your turnaround time, what's your kill criteria, when are you going to quit, what's going to make that decision to quit. Because if they, these three climbers had to decide, looking at the summit, almost being able to touch it, and then think, oh, yeah, I think we should quit, that wouldn't have happened. But because they had had it already at base camp, you get by this time, if you're not on the summit, turn around. And they had planned it in that they knew now's our turnaround time. There's no way they would have made that turnaround decision at one o'clock in the afternoon when they could almost taste the summit. And they would have been, most chances are, they would have been part of the statistics of somebody who's died on Mount Everest instead of coming down the mountain and nobody knowing who they are because they survived. Right. And this is, I think this is where she says, plan your quitting time. Plan when are you going to quit. And I really, it took me about three quarters of the book to like, uh, okay, this sounds like it makes sense. (laughs) This actually is good advice. Yeah. Well, and she's very particular about planning it before you get going. Like they planned it when they're in base camp, hanging out, super comfortable. Everything's chill for them. That's when they made this whole turnaround time, you know, the plan for that. Because, I mean, she'll... She pretty much goes into like once you get going, your inertia is to keep going because we're like grit, 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 and uh, and so once you keep going, you are more likely to to continue onward. You're like, well, I've you know we we tell ourselves these stories like, well, I've already gotten this far. Like, well, it's so close. Well, well you know, like we try to justify keeping going when in reality we need that that firm plan made when we're not stressed and basically made in a sort of like the cool brain state versus like, oh, wait, now things are happening. Things are changing. The weather's coming, you know, whatever it is. Not, you know, it's this time of day essentially was for these folks. But I'm sure there were also a criteria around weather around, you know, if their oxygen ran out. Like, I'm sure there were other things and injuries, you know, stuff like that that makes sense. But for them, they were all geared up for everything else. So it was just the time of day that was. And so to be out there on, in good conditions, everything else is going fine. They had to have that set up in advance so that their brain could like latch onto it and be like, and you like you were saying exactly the same. They still had a debate about it, like, well, you know, we could, like, well, and uh, you're right, there were three of them there, so they could hash it out a little bit and then turn back and keep going. So yeah, these three folks that no one tells the story of people who made it mostly up Mount Everest, right? But we tell a lot of stories of people who died and who didn't make it and who, you know, basically the poor decisions. I've listened to an interview with um, Annie Duke and someone asked her like, well, do you think you and Angela Duckworth would have a debate? And she's like, actually, no, we agree. Like the Angela Duckworth would say grit is great, but you actually, it's only great to a point. Like, I think even though Angela Duckworth has been attached to this idea of grit, she too is like, yeah, but grit just for the sake of grit is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about definitely persevere, definitely work hard, definitely engage uh, fully into things. And I think Annie Duke would agree. You know, if you're, when you're not quitting, you're not like starting at the beginning, having this kill criteria doesn't mean you're sort of tepid about the endeavor, right? These people still headed up Mount Everest, even though they had a kill criteria, it didn't mean they were not committed. They were so committed 
and so fully engaged in this activity and they had a kill criteria, right? And so, and I think the, uh, throughout the book, there are many examples of projects that should have had kill criteria or that they were evolved and changed and they're just like, oh my gosh, they're this, she has the positive examples of the kill criteria that were followed, which are great. And like this person starts this uh, game and the game doesn't get enough people in. So he cuts the whole thing. People are like, wait, but we were just like getting momentum. And he's like, absolutely not. Like this is not enough, enough momentum. It's not sustainable. And on the flip side, giant uh, infrastructure projects like the uh, high-speed rail in California that are like, no problem. We're going to keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, wait, we're going to fund it better. And she's like, oh no, like we have not solved these major problems already. And so like that project in particular, oh, she introduces the the monkey in the pedestal. Do you remember that part of the book? Yeah. Yeah, that was that 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 was really made sense, and and this project, like you said, was supposed to be completed. I think in two thousand and ten, and it's still going. They've just made railways from nowhere to nowhere, and it's it's just this this just pure waste. And again, it has this mentality of yeah, but we've gone this far, we've spent this amount of money, which was I think it's quadrupled the the original budget. And I, I did love the idea of the the monkeys and the pedestal, because the idea is is you've got to can you teach a monkey to juggle fire while standing on the pedestal, and if you can do that, then build your pedestal, because mm-hmm. pedestal is basically the easy part, and and using your example of the the railway. It's going through some mountain areas. I can't think of them off the top of my head in California, but they know how to build railways. You know, you guys have been building railways for hundreds of years. So that's the pedestal. The monkey learning to juggle fire is how do you get through the mountains? How do you get it through the mountains without damaging a lot, without huge expenses? They never got that right. They just keep building more railways, like I said, going from coming from nowhere, going to nowhere, because that's the pedestal. That's the easy part. And when she brings in this idea of, of um, the monkey and the pedestals, it's like that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Can you teach a monkey to juggle fire while standing on a pedestal? If you can do that, and that can be your marketing, that could be your sales, that could be how to put a railway through this mountain pass that could be anything if you got that then do it if all you have is the pedestal and it's like oh well we'll we'll learn the monkey and the fire later no that's <laughs> when the you need to quit yeah and so like basically these short stre- stretches of railway that connect places that are flat but they're not the population centers because the mountains are between the main population centers that are the point of this railway. And they're, because it's a high-speed rail, like we have trains that go through mountains, but not high-speed rail that goes through mountains, essentially. And so they haven't sorted that out. And I think they also don't have the right of way to cross all these different people's property because there are different property owners. You know, in the California, you can imagine people own the property, private property owners. And so without sorting out the right of ways for the property ownership to cross land or how to get over the mountains, they are still building little stret- flat stretches of railway between yeah tiny towns or other you know other places that are not population centers because because we've done that we've gotten this far 
And I think, and it, it would be very hard to quit. It'd be very unpopular, right? And I think that's what she's saying. That suddenly there's this inertia. Who wants to be the governor that says, we're cutting this, you know, railway project. And people are like, but I can, it's almost done. Like, you know, there's people on one side saying, we've come so far. We've invested so much. We've, we can do this. We can do this. We can do that. You know, like there's so much optimism and, and people selling an idea. But the practical matter of it is that they haven't solved these these very tricky parts. And it's been, you know, 15 extra years and perhaps billions extra dollars and it's still not done. And I don't think that there's a great solution to how it's going to get done either. Like there are these insurmountable problems that, and I think it's tricky though, right? Cause you want to show people like, Oh, we, here's this idea. We can, we have this, we can do pieces of it. Like, let's look like it'll build interest. It'll build, uh, you know, funders. If we should, funders will jump on board. If we show that we can do pieces of this and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But like the big, the pieces you can't do are the actual pieces that will get it done, you know, to show that you can. And I think we do this when we make decisions like, oh, I know how to do this piece. I know how to do that piece. I kind of don't know how to do this bigger part that's just, I don't even know, like that's out there. But I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the easy things and get some momentum going. Like, she's like, nope, bad idea. Like starting getting momentum going with the easy things when you know there's this very, this like project stopper down the road that you need to figure out before you can get it done. I think she would say quit before you start, obviously, is part of it. But once you get going and realize this, you're better off quitting quitting earlier, quitting a billion dollars ago, quitting 10 years ago and solving those problems, you know, in a lab, in property ownership, in right of ways, whatever it is, before you start investing money in again. I think there are ways to, you know, you don't have to start building a train tracks to figure out if you can build a bridge. Like you can figure out how to build a bridge and then build your train tracks later, right? I think she's basically the that, that idea of like, Teach, get the get your monkey, teach it how to juggle fire, then build your pedestal. Then, you know, go back to the easy things you already know how to do. You know how to build railway tracks. You know how to, you know, put lay lay tracks across the land. Like, that's the easy part. But we by doing the easy part, we are setting ourselves up to make it harder to quit, fundamentally, down the road. And this was the, they knew the monkey. They knew what the monkey was, which was these mountain passes that you had to get, send the train through. But they didn't look at that first. They just thought, well, we can do the train tracks and we'll look at it later, not solving that problem first and then going. And and one of the really great examples that she used of somebody who did quit when, because quite often when you think about quitting is, oh, but investors have invested so much money. I've put so much time in. People are relying on me. And there's a lot of pressure to keep going. And she used an example of a climber. He's a free climber. Or solo climber, I think it's what they call. They, they climb yeah. cliff faces with no ropes. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you nuts? But anyway, and on a side note, I actually watched his movie. Yeah, Alex Honnold. really worth, worth yeah. watching. It's very and cool. And free climbers don't often have people for videoing them as they're doing it because they do need that concentration. He spent three years training, or was it two years training, and he got up to a certain point and it was like, nope, I'm done. And he came back down and he had friends that committed to it. They were there filming. They had planned this. They had, there was a lot of people involved with this. And he was like, I'm done. Regardless of, you know, friends who were hanging on ropes with cameras and all sorts. And he did, he did the same climb. He did it a year later and he did. He got to the top. But in that situation, it really made you think about quitting because he could have pushed on 
but he was climbing El Cap, El Cap, I think it's called in 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 Yellowstone or Yosemite or Yosemite, something. yeah, yeah, El Capitan in Yosemite, yes, yes. So it's 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 a serious climb. If you tie it halfway or you cramp up, that's it. You're done. Literally, you finished. You know, life over. But he just realized he needed to quit for his own safety. He needed to quit, and his mates around him were like this is cool. You know, I think they were more relieved than anything else because it's quite stressful watching your friend free climbing, but it really, he put his life first, not what he thought other people would think of him. And, and this, this is so important to think about is if a business is not succeeding and you've put a lot of time effort with investors in or this railway, it's like, you know what? Let's draw a line under it. Time out. Let's not waste any more time, money, effort, anything on it. Let's just quit. Be done. And and this story of of this climate, I think his name was Alex. I'm really bad with names, but it it just made sense. And I actually watched the documentary to see what she was talking about, which was really interesting because you can see it. He almost he just says in the camp, I'm done. And it's like, you are done. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. finish so you can live another day. And and this was a great example of the power of quitting. Because he did live to see another day. Mm-hmm. And a year later, he did climb it and, yeah. and he did it because he was in a better headspace. His injuries had, had another year to heal, whatever. It was, it, he did it. Yeah. So he, that quitting enabled him to do, to get to El Cap. Quitting with some of the business examples she's got in the book may, meant that they had bigger businesses, better businesses, or new deals, or, you know, quitting doesn't have to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can be a good thing. Yeah, and she would say it is. It is a better thing than you think. <laughs> it's quitting. It is often the right thing, and we we are biased against it. We don't have these criteria. She talks about adding. Uh, as you have goals, we set. We're very into goal setting. We're very into like you know accomplishment, aiming for those for having these benchmarks. And she says, add the word unless to all your goals to put in some flexibility. Like, oh, I'm going to blah, 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 unless. Like whatever follows after that unless are your your kill criteria or your things to look at, right, more closely. Like unless I'm making, you know, this many clients, unless I have generated this much income, unless I have figured out a way to get through the mountains, unless I'm feeling good when I get to this point on, you know, on LCAP, like whatever it is, that unless like automatically makes your brain a little more flexible. And I think that's the other thing that she's fighting is this uh, sort of rigid mindset around, well, I have a goal, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to grit and persevere. Like there's like without adding this idea of unless blah, 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 unless something else is true to our, even our goals, we are setting ourselves up to waste a lot of time and energy to keep climbing when we're too tired, to do all these different things, to waste a lot of money, to waste a lot of effort or resources of various sorts. And so I love that it's like a very simple way to look at, to add quitting, the the positive sides of quitting. Like, it's even hard for me to say, like, to add quitting to your goals. Like, oh, that sounds weird. But to add the positive aspects of when to quit into our simple goals, whatever we have, business, personal, you know, sport goals, whatever they are, 
unless adding that word unless suddenly frees your brain to think a little more dynamically. And that helps us be better decision makers down the road. And that's one thing she does say. She says quitting is a skill. And I think when, when something's a skill, it's learnable. And she says quitting is a skill because it's part of decision making. And that's what I really loved is we can learn to quit. We can learn to create these kill, kill criterias or the turnaround times or just make it part of our decision making. And, and it, this was one thing that was great about this book because you can come away with thinking, I can do this. I can learn this. I can factor this into my planning, into my goals, into whatever it is. It's it's something that you can do. It's not something that's almost like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. Like I said, I love reading Mount Everest, mountaineer books. Doesn't mean I'm going to go off and climb a mountain. I, I know my my level of fitness but with this, I'm like, I've read the book. I can do this. I can factor in quitting. I can look into it and not be like that guide on Mount, on the summit of Mount Everest and not having that turnaround time and be more like Alex is just quit because my life could depend on it. Most probably not literally, but figuratively or just mentally and it's doable. It's a skill. And that's what I love is that we can do it. We can quit better. We can quit earlier. We can quit more often and we will be happier. We'll be more productive. We'll be more fulfilled because of it, I think is the best part. And she does say you can also quit the status quo, which I love it as a twist. there. It's not just like, oh, I'm quitting that goal. I'm quitting that mountain peak. I'm quitting that, you know, that business. Oh, I can quit the status quo also. We still get stuck into these inertia and our energy toward building all those pedestals within a personal relationship or building, you know, all these like putting effort into projects or people or different, you know, literally any aspect of our lives that you can think of. We can put effort and energy into it that is wasted if we don't quit it, <laughs> if we don't quit and do something better. And so, yeah, I think there's there are a lot more things that we can quit a lot more frequently, a lot sooner I think, and for me, that was a big takeaway of this book. Quit more things, quit more often. And this doesn't even get to the people who feel like they say yes to everything too much. This is just like, no, just whatever you're doing, quit it. <laughs> like also don't say yes to too much, sort of a different side note. But I think the, uh, the idea that quitting makes us happier. And so if that's the only takeaway from this book that I'm getting, I'm like, right, I can quit more often. I can quit more things. I can, yeah, direct my energy better. Fundamentally, it's about directing your energy and your resources, your time, you're meant to, you know, to the, to the right things. You have to go to know sometimes and explore. And she talks about this explorer mindset and checking things out and seeing how it goes all for that. But once you realize this is not going well, this is not going to serve me or something could be better. If I, if I don't have the kill criteria, it's much harder. But if I do have my kill criteria, my turnaround time set up much easier. But as soon as I realize that this is not going how I want it to go, and I've tried a few things that, you know, I've brought that explorer mindset you're better off quitting. I'm like, cool. I can quit more often. I'm all for it. And there's always a relationship that you can quit or a job you need to quit and 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 the business and and this is what I really loved. And and one of the the things that got me was the quit versus grit as the two sides of the same coin. Obviously her stories and the you know, when to quit and not allowing outside influences to keep you going the turnaround time, 
But one thing that really loved is, and I'm going to call myself a poltroon from now on. And poltroon is a new, is an old ancient word. And she brings that into the beginning of her book. She introduces poltroon, and poltroon is a synonym for quitter. So from <laughs> now on, I'm going to be a poltroon. How does that sound? That, that sounds, sounds so posh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, super posh. Like way to rebrand being a quitter. Because like if someone says, "Oh, you're a quitter," so much negativity, you know, comes with poltroon. Everyone's like, well, "I don't even know what that is." And you're like, "Perfect, I am that." It's better for everyone. I love it. I just thought it was a fantastic word, poltroon. It just sounds so ancient, so old English. And I just thought, yeah, why not? Let's all be poltroons. I love it. No one will know what you mean, and it's even better. Then then you get a story to tell about quitting more often, but using your time and energy better. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this book. And I thank you so much, Nellie, for take, for uh, being persuaded. Easy, it was an easy sell, I'd have to say, but for being persuaded to read it and uh, coming in to chat with me about it today. I really appreciate you coming in. Oh, no, thank you. And I really appreciate you introducing me to this author. I've never heard of her before. And for introducing me to the book, it's it's been of great value to me. So thank you for that. And thank you for inviting me to come and share what I've got from the book. You bet. Thanks so much. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Book Supplied Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a new book and learning how to apply its ideas to make your work, sport, or life a little bit more awesome. For more leadership education-related content, including conflict management checklists, invitations to a fun-free lunch that happens monthly, upcoming classes, webinars, and mastermind groups, please head over to wslleadership.com. Thanks, and have a great day.